This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. We're going to be in Romans 12 for just a few moments. Um, just the first few verses, 3 through 7. While you're, you're finding that, I was actually, uh, as we were thinking about this and what these next few weeks and God's giftings, I was actually reminded of a moment uh, at an airport uh, BNA. It's been about maybe a year ago now. I was on my way to Honduras. It was uh, 4.30 a.m. for a 6 a.m. flight to Honduras. And y'all can judge me all day because you're supposed to be there three hours international, but I'm a trained professional. Right. So yeah, I get to the airport, it's 4.30, and I hand uh, my passport to the nice, uh, to the nice lady, and uh, she says, oh, I'm sorry, sir, trained professional. Uh, this is your son's passport. <laughs> this is a problem, because I'm going to Honduras, and I'm only going to be there three days, okay? And there were no more flights that day, and if I don't have a passport, I'm not going to Honduras, and the whole thing's off and there were people waiting for me on the other side, like important things happening. Now, one thing happened that day that was different than other days of my traveling uh, recent years. Most of my 27 years of marriage, I've traveled professionally and then ministerially, and I don't know when it is. They don't cover this in premarital counseling, but there's a point where your, your wife doesn't have to take you to the airport anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not a hard line, but you know when you've gotten there. Um, and we've been there a long time. So, but that morning, and my wife genuinely actually enjoys doing that. She likes, for some reason, getting up at three in the morning and doing those airport runs. And, um, but that morning, she actually did do that. It was the first time that I can remember. And um, 4.30 in the morning, 6 a.m. departure. We live 30 minutes from the airport. It is now 4.35 by the time I call my wife, and she's barely out of the airport. And I say, honey, I, I, I brought Ethan's passport. I'm a, I'm a dork. This is, this, you might as well turn around. There's no way this is going to happen. Now, when my wife hears those words, <laughs> she hears challenge accepted. <laughs> and so, I don't know if we have any law, uh, law officers, and I don't even know what the statute of limitations might be in something like this, but somehow, let's say supernaturally, just for the sake of this morning, she managed at 4.35, remember, 30 minutes one way, 30 minutes back, she has to find a passport in the middle of all that, because clearly, I don't know where it is. I got my son's passport. And if I don't, and the, and the, the gate agent said, if you can get this, when you be here by 5.35, you can get on this plane. If you're, you, if after that, there's no way you're getting on this plane. At 5.31, she is driving into B&A, um, chariots of fire playing in the, that part's probably not true, but she was driving, window down, passport out. She hands it to me. I don't remember her even stopping. I, I, and that part is true. I turned around and I sprinted back. And I hit the TSA pre and I, and I literally sat down just in time to get on the flight to Honduras that morning uh, and made it that afternoon. Because my wife is a legend. <laughs> And I share that because 
There's a reason she's wired in, when she hears that, she hears challenge, right? Accepted, and I hear that's not gonna happen. Because inside of her and inside of me are both gifts that God has given us that complement each other. They're not in conflict with each other, they're in complement to each other. And everyone in this room has one of the seven gifts of Romans 12. And I'm gonna read these few verses and then in the next, today and the next week we're gonna talk a little bit about them. Some of you have been around Conduit a while, you've heard this before, but many of you are brand new. And I really feel like the, the, I mean our entire church leadership is set up around this principle that there are seven gifts here that I've got one of them, right? And I mean, I'm one-seventh of the solution to whatever problem the world throws at me. I need the other six. Seven's the number of perfection, it's the number of completion, and one is not. <laughs> and so, as I'm reading these, and as we're going through these, I, I wanna encourage you to listen and to think and to ask the Lord uh, what it is that he's gifted you for and where he might want you to, to aim that gift in your life. So if you found Romans 12, verse three, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. That's God's word, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that your word uh, would be a light and a lamp to us today. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us. Lord, if you begin to speak to anyone individually, just tell them, tune me out and listen to you directly, that you speak to each of us till today. And we pray for that in Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of the challenges, I think, in our world is, and I don't mean to get caught up in semantics, but sometimes semantics is an important thing because you, if you hear the right word, you can understand it in the way that the Lord meant it to be. But we, we could sometimes confuse our skill, our talent, for our gift, right? So Ian, for instance, very skilled composer, very skilled uh, writer and, and producer, but that's a skill. But Ian has a gift of, and if I were to guess, I would say like encourager on the list that we're gonna look at, because he's just, I mean, when Ian walks in a room, it's just gonna be a party. Plant yourself next to that guy. Like, it's gonna be fun. He's inspirational. He's like, he in, in, like, it's not just encourage like a cheerleader. It's like somehow his courage transfers into you. Encourage. So when he is creating music, he creates it with his talent, right? But what's coming through that is the gift that God has put in him, which is this gift of encouragement and inspiration. 
My wife has many, many skills. Driving is one of them. <laughs> one of the most overheard things in our kids when we talk about driving and they need to slow down, at some point they will turn it back. Well, mom, you speed. Mom drives faster than any of us. <laughs> she got skills. That's her skill, driving, right? She's got many skills, by the way. Design, if you look in this room, like the, the look and the feel and the, the reason it doesn't feel like a corporate thing, but it feels like a, a home. It's, she's got a skill of design, but that's not her gift. Her, her, her gift is, in this list, is what we would call serving. It's this collaborating. It's this gift of getting stuff done. It's the gift of ministry. It's this gift of, of making it happen. And so while this talent is here of design, that's not the gift. The gift is of collaborating. It's of getting people to work together in unity and on a team. And her talent is the highway on which her gift travels. Quite literally, actually. Driving, see what I'm saying? You see what I did there? Oh. You have a gift, that's great, but don't hide behind your talent because a lot of times you can hide behind this talent or the skill and not realize that God actually has a gift inside of you. And if you have a talent, that's great, but it just becomes a talent, a highway that you can then let your gift travel on to the world uh, that the Lord wants it to go to you. And I, I would say this, if, if, if you want to take a shortcut to see what your gift might be from Romans 12, I, I did put together a website and there's a little test on there. It takes about three minutes. If you get bored, you can do that this morning while I'm speaking. Um, three minutes, it just, and by, and by the way, these tests are like any test, right? They're, you know, pr probably accurate. To me, one of the best ways to, uh, to, to, to find out is to ask others, like, what do you experience from me? Like, what gift do you get from me? Th these gifts are not a gift to you. They're a gift through you, right? So if I'm one of seven, that means I'm supposed to give that gift to the other six of me, not to keep for myself. Asking others what they, uh, how they experience you is one of the best ways to experience that. Um, I did, uh, this, is, this is the celebrity pastor moment, and trust me, I'm not a celebrity pastor by no means. Have you seen my car? Like, it's just not, I mean, there's no way I'm ever getting on preachers and sneakers. Um, uh, I'm hoping for Uggs and Thugs. There's a, uh, maybe a new Instagram, so I got these slippers. But anyway, um, but I've spent the last 10 years really digging into this, and I did put together a book. Uh, we got it available this morning. Uh, you are not a source of, I, I'm not looking to make money on you. Uh, we have them in the lobby for sale, but if you don't have the money, just take one. I don't care. Um, it's important enough to me that the message gets out there and I want to see this message get into Uganda and into Asia because these spiritual gifts, if they're true in America, they're going to be true in Asia. And if they're true in Asia, they're going to be true in Haiti. So I just, uh, I, I didn't create anything new. All I did was just, this is the word of God and I put it in a way that maybe uh, is, is bite-sized. But for the first part of this week, for this Sunday, the, the few minutes we have here, I, I did want to just say to you, these are seven gifts. And when you look at them in the order that they're given, next week we're going to look at each one individually, and I want to show you how God uses them to bless you and bless others, and I want to show you how the enemy comes in and tries to harm and to divide over them. They're meant to be unity. They're not meant to be division. But really quickly, when you look at these seven, the first one is this gift called prophecy. 
and that gift is not a gift. This one is not. There's 1 Corinthians 12 and there's Ephesians 5. I don't want to confuse you, but for you Bible students, no. Those are different than this one. This is a whole different, it's a different word. This gift of prophecy is a gift that just means that you can see what's possible. You can't believe no one else can. Uh, the, the gift that people receive from you is just the gift of possibility. Like this is, there's some stuff that's possible that I didn't know. Uh, you could call it the visionary, that you just see what's in the future, that they're bulldozers. And if you've got that gift, one of the greatest clues is, is that you've had someone at some point in your life say, I don't want to fight about this. And you said, I didn't know we were fighting. I thought we were just having a conversation. There's, there's a clue in this gift, like if you're just a bulldozer with it, that that's probably the one that you've got. And that gift is incredibly important in the kingdom of God because especially in places like India, because you, like, you, there are people you have to, you saw a child that was desperate, but what you saw was a future for that child. There's a visionary gift in that that God is using to rescue thousands and hundreds of thousands of children. And the next one on this list, he says, is ministry, uh, service. It's, it's, those are such like sterile words. It's like, uh, I, I called it collaborator only because I've, I've seen my wife, she's got this gift all day long. And if you ever see my wife with a clipboard, it is every man for himself because she got something to do and she's gonna recruit people along. They're never doing it alone. They're getting it done. And man, if you got somebody who's got the gift of prophecy, this visionary gift, without somebody with the gift of ministry, all you got is somebody that's full of hot air. You gotta have somebody that comes along and the gift that they're bringing to you is this gift of, of practicality. They make it happen, and she does that. And, and look, you can see, I can, uh, you can identify this gift pretty easy, and that is whenever there's like a, a gathering of any kind, whoever the first people up folding tables, nobody had to tell them to do it. You're folding chairs, and you're folding tables, and you're carrying stuff like, you just tend, that's just a gift. Uh, Lynn Simpson, I, I, I'm just, this is how I experience Lynn. Lynn just gets it done you're looking for Lynn, it's, I don't know, because she was just here, but she's getting stuff done on a regular basis. And it's the best part of it is it's not out of, it's just out of love. Like it's literally a love expression of this needs to get done. Somebody's got to get it done and I'm going to get it done. The, the next one on this is this gift called teaching. Uh, by the way, there's an Ephesians 5 calling to be a teacher. You can be called to be a teacher, but have a gift of mercy. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not, I, I want to make sure and differentiate. These are three different lists, three different sets of gifts, and they work together, not against each other. But this gift of teaching, um, and I've, I, I think we've had about 10,000 people take the test so far online. Uh, like 1% of the people have had this gift. Um, probably not because it's so special, because kind of, I mean, it's just really not that needed. I mean, uh, you, you can't have somebody teach a, a, a tire back onto a car, right? You can't have somebody, but you still need somebody to bring information and you need somebody to bring preparation. It's just, there just aren't that many of them. And I happen to be one of those. And what we do is we synthesize information. We look at this detail and this detail and this Bible and that thing and somehow it all synthesizes together. That's the gift of teaching. It's the gift of discerning. And it's a gift that, is, uh, that, that, that used to get me in a lot of trouble when I was a kid because um, I asked a lot of questions. I was genuinely curious. I wasn't that smart. I was just that curious. The next one is this gift called encouragement. If, you, if your gift is to encourage, to 
just do that, be that encourager. And this gift is one that is like inspiration and it is a gift of purpose. Like when you, I think I experienced Mark Bourgeois this way as well. I experienced Ian this way. I experienced uh, several of you in this room. In fact, if you were to look at our staff right now, Joey, <laughs> Eric, Odge, like we're surrounded by this gift of just encourager. When they walk in the room, it's a party. It's hilarious. It's inspiring. And you kind of walk out going, man, I have a purpose in my life. There's a joy that comes along with it. It's just, you know, amazing. And so we, that gift is everywhere in our church. I, I think it's because I, I, tend to, I tend to pull back so much that I need a bunch of encouragers around me to keep me from talking myself out of stuff. Because I have a tendency to circle the airport a long time before I ever take a landing on something. But... The encourager's like, no, no, we can stick this landing. I promise, man, we might bounce, but we can get it. <laughs> the next one is this gift called giving. It's a gift of, it's not writing a check. And we're all called to be generous. And I've been at this long enough on global mission that I have seen radical generosity from every single gift on this list. It's, it's not about money. In fact, the word, when it's translated in Greek, other places, it actually speaks of imparting of your very soul, 1 Thessalonians 1. We long to, I long to impart my very soul to you. And this gift is the gift of peace. In conflict, in, and I'm telling you, in the last 18 months to two years, two of our elders, Jeremy and Jim, are imparters all day long and twice on Tuesday. And they have an ability to read the room. They have the ability to say, hey, Darren, like when you said that, that, that whole bunch of people, that hurt their feelings. And I want you to know that I would have been completely unaware of that. But they can feel that feeling and they can understand where someone's experience. And there's a need for that, especially in a world as divided as ours is, to have people who can not just say nice things, but actually bring, be peace, bring peace into a situation, impart of their very souls into you. That gift is as neat as, as it's ever been. The, the, the sixth gift is one that's, uh, your translation might say administration. Doesn't that sound really sterile? Uh, I find most people that have that gift, if you say administration, they actually kind of wrinkle their nose at it because they don't like it. Uh, it it's, uh, some of it says leading. Probably your translation says leading if it's the NIV. Uh, you like that one better because it sounds like I'm leading something. But, but the, the Greek word is actually about protecting. It's a guardian gift. It's... You know, you got a guy with a girl with a visionary. She got this big vision. Uh, you got the the collaborator. She's getting it done, but somebody's got to make sure and do the math. What happens in Haiti all the time? We have more need than we have provision. So somebody's got to do the math to make sure that it's being distributed properly. And that gift of being a guardian of protecting the the spreadsheet people, like that's your love language. Like, you hear spreadsheet, I'd rather claw my own eyes out. But I say spreadsheet, and if you've got this gift, your scalp is kind of tingling right now. In our world, I'm surrounded by guardians. In my old days, I used to think they were buzzkills. <laughs> You're just a string on my balloon, man. You're just ruining my fun. But you know what, when we went into a pandemic in March 20, the people that were in my life that were that, that have that gift, Amber has that gift, Mo has that gift. I remember 
thinking, why are you guys not scared right now? Why are, it seemed like everybody was freaked out but the guardians, and the guardians tend to be able to have thought of everything that could have gone wrong, so why are you not scared? And they're all like, well, we already gamed all this out. We already knew this could happen. Here's, we have a plan. We've got, I'm like, oh. The guardians think of everything that could possibly go wrong and protect you. They're protecting the integrity of the, of the books. They're protecting the integrity of the ministry. They're protecting you not just in safety, but in the situations that we're in. Our church, we want our generosity and our giving to match our heart and our integrity. And when we have guardians in place to make sure that when you say that you're going to give money, say like today to Bijou, that you can know with 100% certainty that I've got some guardians. They're going to make sure that every penny that you give there is going to end up there and nothing's going to get spent in the middle because those folks will never let that happen. It's an important gift. It's not a very celebrated gift, but I promise you, if you don't have that one, your whole thing's in trouble. Half of the trouble on TV when you see a, a, a big ministry going down is they did not empower guardians to keep them safe along the way. The last one is this gift called res, it's mercy, it's responder, it's, it's a gift of passion. It's a gift that I don't have. Have you, ever, have you ever taken a spiritual gifts test before? You know that they usually have like all 21 gifts on one list and it's like Ephesians or whatever and it's always confusing. But I remember I, I did it once and I had like the, I, I, my mercy one was like zero, I think, or close to it. I remember looking at my wife going, can you believe that? I must have, this must be wrong. I don't have the gift of mercy. And she was incredulous. Like, how is it possible that you don't know that you do not have the gift of mercy? Everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah, so that was a little dose of self-awareness that I needed at 28 years old. But here's what I learned. People, by the way, might say that, that you, know, you must be merciful because of all the work that you guys do in other countries, but that's not true. I'm a discerner, and I can connect these dots and see that something's right or wrong, it's true or it's not. It's coming out of that for me, but out of compassion, passion, right, mercy, we need people like that to not just run to the fire, but to stay in the fire. Kyle, I mean, I don't know where you register on any of this, but I know that that's how I experienced Kyle from. And if you've had Kyle in a moment of when you've been sick, when you've been in a hospital, Kyle has served as a care pastor at our church. He serves as a chaplain for Lee Company. He has served as a chaplain in NASCAR. And I have watched him over and over throughout the years. And when he, when you have a crisis, he doesn't just run to you, he stays with you in it. And there's a gift of mercy that we need so badly in our world. And in this room, I know there are many of you, uh, and we're going to talk next week because I think this is, uh, when you hear this gift, some people are like, oh, I don't want that gift. That's uh, mercy. It sounds so weak. Uh, it's the, I, I strongly believe it is the, literally the strongest gift on this list. It requires the most strength of any gift on this list because you're the one that stays in the fire and you're the one that carries someone else's hurt and someone else's pain. And that is an enormous amount of strength. That is not weakness at all. These are the seven gifts. And God says in his word that you have one, I have one. And in this room, there are groups of seven of us in here that each have one of these. And when we are working together as the body of Christ, your gift, my gift, we are together the Jesus response to what the world is throwing at us. And when you 
read these verses right before these seven gifts. He actually refers to it as the, uh, according to the faith given to you. That God gives a specific faith to you. That the faith that God gives is going to bring you to these seven gifts and that faith that he gives is gonna bring you to truth, it's gonna bring you to mission, and it's gonna baptize you in belonging. In a world right now that's crying out for belonging, I don't belong, I don't know where I belong, this faith that God gives will lead you to these gifts and bring you right into a belonging of where you're supposed to be. The idea of what it brings us to truth is very simple. He says to think, verse three, no more highly of yourself than you ought. The biblical definition of humility is very simple. Believe the truth about yourself. You see, I would rather not be a discerner slash teacher. I literally would rather be almost anything other than that. I'm boring, I'm withdrawing, I make very lonely wife. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm always in my head. I'm like, I would rather, I'd rather be Ian because Ian's hilarious at a party. Like that, that I would rather be the inspiration person. That, but the truth is, is that God made me this way for a very specific reason. And to think more highly of myself than ought means that simply that, I, that God got it wrong and I got it right. I want it to be this and God got it that. That's just me simply saying God got it wrong. And that is thinking more highly of myself than I ought. Because he goes on to talk about that in accordance with the faith that he has distributed to you, that my faith is very simple. Do I believe that he is God? Do I believe that he makes mistakes? Do I, in view of God's mercy, do I believe that he has my best interest in mind? Because if I do, then I'm gonna trust and believe that the way that he gifted and wired me is exactly the way that I'm supposed to be because he has a plan and a mission and a purpose for me just like he does for you. So it does, it literally brings me to the truth about myself, which then bonds us in mission, verse four. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. This metaphor, the seven, if this body, this metaphor, there are seven members. Like he didn't just bring us and put us in this body metaphor without identifying that, by the way, there's a head. And what does the head do? It tells the body what to do. If I, my head, wants some hot wings today for a Super Bowl halftime show, my body's gonna have to figure that out. That's all the body does, is do what the head wants. It's really that simple. What is the mission that our head has given us and the body, that's what we do. And so when it bonds us in mission, the mission is, what does Jesus want us to do? What does Jesus want us to do as a church? We came together here to worship today. We came together here to sing and to, be, uh, and to pray and to baptize, all that, and to listen to the Holy Spirit and see what he wants us to do as a church together. The mission of this church is not this church. The mission of this church is not to grow this church, right? It, that's not it at all. The mission of this church is that Jesus already had a mission. Church doesn't need a mission. The mission needed a church. That's us. So figuring out what your gift is, humbly bringing you to the truth, 
now bonding you in what that mission is gonna be and then baptizing you in belonging. I, I use that word very specifically of baptizing because obviously we just baptized, but he says in Christ, verse five, so in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We are in Christ, this body, not outside of Christ. And when, just like Josh and Meg, were baptized today, dying to themselves, resurrected in him, their goal no longer is to be a better version of themselves. Uh, Bob Goff, like he always does, says it way better than I could have when he said that our problem following Jesus is that we're trying to be a better version of us rather than a more accurate reflection of him. Your gift is not a better version of you. Your gift is a better reflection of Jesus. Jesus is the only person that ever walked the face of the earth that had all seven of these. And if I was all seven, then I'm Jesus, but I'm not. I'm one-seventh. I'm not three-sevenths. I'm not four-sevenths. I'm one-seventh. And that seventh of me is that reflection of Jesus. And your one-seventh is your reflection of Jesus. And the way that it works in us is really simple and complex at the same time. Each member belongs to the other. And the way that that belonging happens is because the same blood that flows through my pinky is the same blood that flows through my sternum, is the same blood that flows through my ring finger toe. What's the toe? Is it a ring toe? Ring toe, on oh, my ring toe. <laughs> The blood, the blood is what brings the belonging together. The blood of Christ spilled and shed for you is what now means that you belong to me, I belong to you, not in the form of property, but in the connection of blood that brings life. And in that blood is the life of our bodies, our immune systems, all those things that we've been talking about this last year, that is all transferred through the blood. And when I'm connected to you and you're connected to me, the blood flows throughly between us and creates an unstoppable force of Jesus in this earth. And we're gonna stop on that this morning and we're gonna pick up where we left off next week. But I would encourage you this week, take some time and just seek the Lord and man, what is the gift that God has inside of you? Because Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you has this purpose and this mission that he wants to put forward in you. Stand to your feet, I wanna pray for you. Don't mistake your talent or your skill for your gift. Don't hide behind your talent or your skill. Let me tell you what, we have technologists in here. We've got teachers in here. We, we, we've got doctors and, and nurses in here. Allow that skill to be a highway on which this gift can transfer to the kingdom, to create the kingdom here on earth. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom and insight into that today. Lord, that you have given each one of us a gift. You didn't give it to us, you gave it through us. 
And Lord, pray, I pray that you would literally make it real in all of us today. Nobody, there is no bench warmers in the kingdom of God. <laughs> you have a purpose for all of us and it starts right here and it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen and amen.